Welcome back to day five, our last day together of our first week of look through the book of First Kings. And uh, we, we're looking these last couple days at chapters five to seven, where we learn how to build for God. These principles that you see as Solomon builds the temple are principles in my life, in your life, for how we build whatever God wants us to build. Yesterday, we talked about building what God wants built and building with the quality materials and things like building and taking the time to rest. Today, we're going to look at five additional principles for building what God wants built, beginning with the sixth principle, build with the right leaders. In order to build, you have to have the right leadership. And we already looked at verse 16 yesterday, but to repeat it, he had, as well as it says, 3,300 foremen who supervised the project and directed the workmen. So Solomon didn't lead the whole thing himself. He had 3,300 leaders who were directing this project. In order to do anything building-wise, you have to have the right leaders in place. And as it grows, you cannot be the only leader. You have to have more and more leaders. You have to have effective and well-informed leaders. No leadership results in frustrated workers because people don't know what to do. Too many leaders results in confused workers because too many people are telling them what to do. You gotta have the right number, the right type of leaders to result in enjoyable work. So whatever God's building through your life, if it's a family, it's something very small, then as a mom or a dad, you're the leader. And how does God want you to use you in spiritual leadership of that family? If it's something bigger, if it's a building project that you're doing, if it's a building of a company or a career that you're doing, how can you begin to partner with other people who are the right leaders? You have to build with the right leaders. It's one of the keys. Principle number seven. And of all these principles, I think number seven is my favorite. You build with an attitude of worship. There's this amazing thing that happens in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 7. Listen to this verse. In building the temple, only blocks dressed at the quarry were used, and no hammer, chisel, or any other iron tool was heard at the temple site while it was being built. At the quarry, out where they were quarrying the rock, they got it entirely ready, the pieces of rock, to put in for these foundations of the temple so that when they got to the building site, there could be this attitude of worship, of quiet there. It was an entirely different feel to a building site because they were building this temple for God. Not a sound in this building because all the stones were cut at the quarry. Now, if you've ever done any building, you know the difficulty of that. How many times in building have you cut something, a piece of lumber to go in somewhere and found out, oh, it's an inch too long, gone back and cut it? But they're cutting these huge stones And they're carrying all the way in. And if they were a half an inch off, they had to take it all the way back and do it again. Now, I think because of that, they probably got it right the first time most of the time. Solomon wanted it quiet at this place because he wanted the atmosphere to be the atmosphere of God's house and not a construction site. And as you build in your life, you want the atmosphere of worship to pervade whatever you're building. You want to recognize God's presence in whatever you do. Now, that doesn't mean you're a businessman and you're building a business. That doesn't mean you have to start every meeting with prayer. You may do that, you may not. That doesn't mean you have to every moment say God's name or recognize that he is there, but you can recognize it in your heart. And as you recognize that, it's gonna change the atmosphere of your place of work to a place of worship. You build with an attitude of worship. It's one of the key components, recognizing God's presence as you build to building God's kind of way. Principle number eight, is you value what you build. You value. Listen to how Solomon did that in verses 21 to 22. Solomon covered the inside of the temple with pure gold. 
and he extended gold chains across the front of the inner sanctuary, which was overlaid with gold. So he overlaid the whole interior with gold. He also overlaid with gold the altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary. Now that sounds costly. He's overlaying everything with gold. It was a statement. When they did this, it was a statement of how they valued God's house. And this this statement that Solomon made here, it has a principle behind it. You value what you build. You value what you build with words of encouragement. You value what you build with prayers for God's blessings. In many ways, that's your overlaying what you build with gold, is praying for God's blessings, God's blessings upon what you're building so that God's name, God's glory could be shown. The reason they put gold on everything is because they wanted God's glory to be clear. And when you say, I want God's glory to be clear through what's happening in this family, what's happening in this company, what's happening in my life, what's happening even as we build this project, this building, I want somehow God to shine through this. That's overlaying it with gold. And you do that through prayer. You do that through committing it to God. It's one of the principles for building for God, anything for God. Two final principles. The last two principles are you finish what you build and you furnish what you build. Principle number nine, you finish what you build. 1 Kings 6.38 says, In the 11th year, in the month of Bul, the eighth month, the temple was finished in all its details according to its specifications. He had spent seven years building it. He finished the work that he'd started. So when you're going to build something for God, you build it 6 by 38. Now, 6 by 38 has nothing to do with the size of anything. It refers to this verse, chapter 6, verse 38. He finished what he built. If you start it under God's direction, you do so with a determination to finish it by God's grace. Now, I can't control the future. You can't control the future. And some of the projects we start don't get finished. We might go on to heaven early or something else may happen that prevents it from happening very clearly. But that's not gonna happen because of my heart. If God says I want it built, I don't start it half-heartedly. I start it with a full determination to finish it by God's grace. As Jesus said, you count the cost before you start. Before you start to build the tower, he said. You make the commitment at the beginning, and then as you make that commitment, you watch as God finishes the work through you. Now, finishing does not mean you have to rush. That's the mistake I can make sometimes, and maybe you can make. Notice, it took them seven years to finish this. So you take the time to build it right. The truth is I can hurry and get it done, but then I have to live a long time with my mistakes. If I hurry and get a building done and I move into that building and live in it, I'm gonna have to live a long time with that wall that's not quite square and I'm gonna see it again and again and again. If I hurry and get a company going and I hire the wrong people or I start with the wrong values and I try to put them back in place later, I'm gonna have to live with that mistake for a long, long time. Truth is, I'm in a hurry. Maybe you're in a hurry, but God is not because what he is building is greater than what you can see. He knows what he's building. So he's not in a hurry. He knows the greatness of it. So he's willing to put the right foundations in place and take the time to build it right. Principle number nine, you finish what you build. And then principle number 10, you furnish what you build. When the temple was finished, then it had to be furnished. They had to put in the altars and the tables and everything that allowed it to be used for the purpose that it had been built for. So beginning in verse 48 down to verse 51, listen to what happens. Solomon also made all the furnishings that were in the Lord's temple, the golden altar, the golden table on which was the bread of the presence, the lampstands of pure gold, five on the right and five on the left in front of the inner sanctuary, 
the gold floral work and lamps and tongs, the pure gold basins, the wick trimmers, the sprinkling bowls, dishes and censures, and the gold sockets for the doors of the innermost room, the most holy place, and also for the doors of the main hall of the temple. When all the work of King Solomon had done for the temple was finished, he brought in the things his father David had dedicated, the silver and gold and the furnishings, and he placed them in the treasuries of the Lord's temple. Solomon fully furnished this house, and from altar to golden cable to spoons and even hinges, we read about it here. That furnishing was done so that that building could be used for God's purposes. The importance of furnishings is that they make the building useful for the purpose for which it's intended. The furnishing, therefore, is just as important, maybe more important in some ways, than the building itself. But many times, we build something or start to build something, we get the foundation, we get the framework, but we don't take the time to furnish it. We don't take the time to put into place the purposes. We get tired, maybe because we tried to do it all of ourselves. Or many other times, we build something, we, we actually put the right purpose into place, but then that purpose starts to drift. Other people bring in their furnishings, other people bring in their ideas, and we don't clear them out, and it starts to drift. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen somebody build a wonderful family or a great ministry or an important company and then seen it lose the purpose that it was built for. Why did you have those kids? Because you wanted to bring them up to know the Lord. But now you're all caught up in your work. You're not spending any time in bringing them up to know the Lord. You've lost the purpose. Why did you start that company? Because you wanted it to glorify God. But now you're so caught up in the legal issues and these issues that you're just trying to survive rather than glorify God in it. Why did you start that ministry? So that the world could be changed. But somehow it's become about you and what people think of you. It's the easiest thing in the world to let the furnishings of the building get pushed to the side or other furnishings brought in. But it's also a wonderful thing to refurnish that house, to get the original furnishings back in place, to get that other junk out of the way and to see God's purpose begin to shine again. It can happen in that life, in that ministry that you have. Well, we've gone through them the last couple of days, these 10 principles from Solomon about how to build a life, a ministry, a company, a building, a family, whatever God is asking you to build. My commitment, your commitment now is, are we going to build according to God's principles or our principles? Let's refresh our commitment to him just by saying, Jesus, we want to build according to your principles. We want to build in ways that honor you and glorify you. We want to build things that will last because of what you want built. And we want to build in a way that your purpose continues to be fulfilled. And so we come to you and we bring whatever we're building to you. And we pray for the wisdom to build according to your purposes, your principles. And where we've slid from that, where we've wandered from that, God, we recommit to building according to your principles. We do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Make sure to join us back next week. We're going to continue looking through 1 Kings in the next section of 1 Kings, where you're going to learn some lessons, some easy lessons for life and some hard lessons for life, all from the life of Solomon. We'll see you this next week. 